we are entering the second month of the SEC season. I think we've learned a little bit, and last week was a great week in college football, but I kind of think this one, this week, will indicate more about what the SEC is doing both in the East and West. I'm Dane Young, Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus is here, and the Hall of Fame head coach, Jim Donnan. We're presented by Breda Pest Management and Connor Grading and Landscaping. We'll tell you more about those. Coach, overall, what have we learned from, let's start with you, maybe some SEC West. What have you learned from the West so far in the first month of the season? Definitely up in the air. I mean, uh, you just don't have anybody that just got that wow factor. Uh, I think what we've seen is some some really good play and some really bad play and uh, a little bit mixed in between. But um, as you mentioned, this next month's going to really kind of separate uh, the pack, so to speak, with all these interconference games where the West's playing the West. So uh, uh, I feel like, though, that uh, Alabama certainly – established itself with a big win last week and needed to at home uh, really came through in the second half and LSU got by the by the skin of their chinny chin chin with that win over Arkansas so uh, we're going to see some really big battles this week and I'm sure my man uh, uh, is going to have some really good interesting insight there with uh, Brent giving us all the little little tidbits about <laughs> all these teams well Brent overall first month SEC East uh, the gap's not maybe as large as you would have thought going into the season. And I think that's really the totality of the conference. I think Alabama and Georgia are obviously, and potentially even LSU, but Alabama and Georgia, talent-wise, are still head and shoulders above us. But football-wise, that gap and whatnot, I just, I just don't think that gap is as large as we've seen uh, over the past few years. And in the SECs, I, like, there's three teams, I think, that legit, maybe even four, but likely three. Uh, that could pose a like be a true challenger. One, I think, is a sneaky Missouri. Two, Florida, Kentucky. Who who stands up this week uh, and says, "Hey, I'm number two. I'm I'm the lead challenger to Georgia in the East." I had a different game as game of the week selected, but I'm going to stick with this because you segued to it. So <laughs> Kentucky is a one point favorite at home, Brent. That's a noon kickoff Eastern time. Um, so it could be a little bit sleepy up there in Kentucky. What do you see in this game, Gators and Wildcats? I don't know. Stoops said fans are going to drink some beers early and, and be ready to go. Uh, but I think the first team to 20 wins. Like I, I think both of these teams kind of play now a very similar style. And I actually think that Mertz fits what Billy Napier wants to do perfectly. You look at his first two or his two years at Wisconsin, first two years at Wisconsin, he had 21 picks. He only has one this year, only two turnover worthy plays. His adjusted completion percentage, which factors in like drops and throwaways, is 88%. What does that lead to? Because there's not a lot of big plays and only a lot of points. Florida is number one in the SEC and number six in the, in the FBS in, in time of possession. And like both of these teams kind of want to play that style. So I think. You know, both, both are good defensively. I think Florida's going to be a little bit better defensively. Can Kentucky's receivers actually make some plays? They had some key drops. That's what I think I'm most interested to see because the talent is there, but like Key and Brown, I think, have five or six combined drops already. Yeah, when you look at uh, Mertz and everybody talked about all these transfers, you got to give him the transfer of the year quarterback for the SEC. I mean, he's styling as far as what he's been able to do for his team, not necessarily stats, but uh, – he really has played within the system. The one thing that worries me about Florida matchup-wise 
Kentucky is stronger than Ajax against the run and plays the pass okay. But, I, you know, we haven't seen a pass or a run uh, very far all year by Florida. They're, they're the worst team in the conference for plays over 30 yards. So uh, you're not going to just consistently bang on these uh, Kentucky Wildcats, although Kentucky certainly hasn't been uh, played the caliber of competition like Utah. But I think the matchup there on the road, the fact that Kentucky's won three of the last five, favor them a little bit. And the, the points you brought up about the receivers, they can get open. Can they catch it? And can uh, can the guy Leary can he can he hit them? I mean, that, they missed so many, and they they continue to have lost yardage play. So this will be a, a case of which team can avoid the big mistake as far as playing in a game like this, and uh, can some of their strengths stand out. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But you got to give a little edge to Kentucky just because what they can do defensively compared to uh, what Florida does offensively. A good little two-hour game. Is that what we're thinking? Just a, a uh, nice, that, tidy move the clock? That might be the quickest of the season. I think you're right. That's a great point. Uh, both teams play that way. Both teams want to play that way. Well, uh, what could, can happen is if they if it's a two-hour game, they can drink beer before and then really hit the hard <laughs> liquor afterwards. <laughs> in abundance up in Kentucky, for sure. Uh, yes. Speaking of alcohol in abundance, Coach, LSU and Ole Miss – uh, Ole Miss didn't really show up in the second half, especially against Alabama. And as you mentioned, LSU having to find a way to beat Arkansas, they did that. Tigers 3-1, and one, Rebels 3-1. and one. Uh, The Tigers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Yeah, when you think of Ole Miss, you think of big plays. You think of, uh, of, uh, of uh, just wide-open offense. Uh, Junkins hadn't had a run over 15 yards. Uh, they, they don't complete any deep balls. Uh, you, you know, their offense uh, really struggled. I mean, 10 points total. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to win a game against a team like Alabama without scoring some points, particularly when you're uh, uh, not making any big plays. I mean, Alabama's set up to cause lost yardage plays, and that's what happened in this game. But, but as far as the game itself, uh, I just think hopefully that I hear Pittman talk about uh, – can they get the Rocket Sanders back? Uh, that's got to help them. And uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm on the wrong game here. I'm thinking about what happened with LSU. LSU, very fortunate. I mean, seriously, very fortunate uh, to, to get that win. I watched it uh, uh, to try to get ready for this game. And Arkansas had guys with blinker lights on. There's, I mean, so many guys open, but they couldn't protect good enough. And uh, that's going to be the big case here. Can uh, can you get the protection for for them and see what happens? I think that first game with Ole Miss of just the receivers getting open, Brent, and LSU can be got in the secondary. Like Their secondary yeah. is not this classic LSU athletes everywhere. Defense so in general. Right. LSU's defense in general. They have, they have zero players with a PFF grade 80 or above. Them, uh, Arkansas, and South Carolina, the only three uh, in the conference that sort of have that metric. But – Daggone Ole Miss. Let me let me read you a list of names here. That'd be Jim Harbaugh, Kyle Whittingham at uh, Utah, Sark at Texas, Norvell at Florida State, Dan Lanning at Oregon, Caleb Boer at Washington. All those guys make significantly less, if you know, less, if not significantly less money than Lane Daggone Kiffin, and they slept walk through that game. Like just absolutely the first drive, come out, boom, play action, pushing the ball down the field, seven, you know, get, I think it was seven three there. They went ahead. Scored on the first drive. And then 
literally it's like they played the rest of the game like they were up 14 points. I, I was just I'm looking at the team like, why are you not attacking? Why are you not attacking? Why are you going side to side? It was just that was one of the most frustrating and where you just think, all right, are you as a team taking on the personality of your head coach where you're just kind of cool with things versus legit into details and you know all that stuff? It just it was very frustrating watching Ole Miss. Can they rebound? Can they get sort of refocused? I don't know because I think LSU is going to consistently make plays. I mean, they scored instantly in a bunch of bunch of situations, but I, I just want to see something from Ole Miss where it's like, hey, do you want to be great? Because against Alabama, there was not a want to be great. I think from them. Yeah, what's their identity? I mean, they don't have any bread and butter. You, you would think that uh, they would do something to uh, consistently have something they could rely on, but it's easy to be critical because uh, I don't know what their their makeup. They've got a lot of transfers, and sometimes it's hard to mesh together, and they've had some injuries. But uh, let's face it, Alabama's not the, the, the a team that you should have as much trouble as with as they did with all the weapons that they have. And certainly we were bragging about Dart's running ability, ran very few predetermined quarterback runs they ran a couple quarterback sweeps there early and looked yeah. good they felt you draw for the touchdown initially forgot about them after that brent you mentioned lsu's defense and it just the grade so far uh, harold perkins they're still trying to figure out how to unlock what he was last season i think maybe they have him doing too much um mason smith up front he's not right after that acl recovery he's still trying to figure that out but i say all this to say there is one local tie for here that Whit Weeks, linebacker yeah. now playing for them, really good start to his career at LSU. Yeah. And if, if that's an indicator for where this defense can grow and learn, like that was a, a surprise to me. I thought it may take him a little while to ingratiate in the college football. He's from Oconee County from Watkinsville. Uh, did a really good job, I thought, against Arkansas. Yep. Um, I'm going to stick with you, Brent. Georgia and Auburn, 330. Georgia's 14.5-point favorite is where the line sits right now. Uh, three things for me with this game. One is, can all like can Auburn survive with the QBs running the football? Because like if you combine the quarterback attempts for Auburn, they would be Georgia's leading rusher in terms of number of attempts. So it's a very QB run game heavy uh, offense thus far for them. Passing has just not been what they could do. Can they get to double digits in terms of points? Two is I, I do think Auburn defensively the secondary is the strength of their team. And I could see them, whereas a lot of these early opponents for Georgia said, hey, we're going to load up to stop the run, thus you have to play action pass and push the ball down the field. I can see Auburn saying, hey, we're going to cover, and you can run the ball. And if you run the ball, that's fine. We'll force you into field goals in the red zone and, and shorten the game. But three, and most importantly for me, and, and this is more of a conversation, Coach, I, I was curious to get your take on. Carson Beck, to me, has played very well very efficient, very uh, what's accurate with some of the, with what he's doing, not putting the ball in harm's way, things like that. I think now it's time where, you know, granted, maybe first road start, you don't necessarily go full into this and turn the 180, but I want to see him make more plays, like where it's – there's a little bit of a slight risk involved, like, you know, Dane, we brought up in, in Film Don't Lie, play with uh, a third down play where, hey, Bowers is one-on-one, -on -one, there's no one else around – just go take that chance. Go make that play. Go, you know, something's happening in the in the pocket. Move your feet. Slide. Go make plays, not just sort of 
what's there all the time. So I, I'm ready to start seeing that from him. But I, the biggest thing for me is Auburn's going to struggle to score points in this game. Yeah, I mean, when you get 200 yards in a game and 56 yards passing, uh, you're not going to win. I mean, that's how many yards they got against A&M. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, they, they Kirby talks about Auburn running the ball uh, with uh, Hunter. I mean, you've you got to do something to – Help these quarterbacks where you can, where they're just not the target back there with with the pass rush, particularly if you get behind the sticks and we can run and all that. But as far as Beck, I think he's doing what he's coached to do. I think they're they're being real careful because they know these teams were playing that it's hard to uh, for them to do much if we turn the ball over as their only shot. So you know, play the percentages, eat it up, or throw it away. So, uh, but we might see some more. Uh, you may maybe a few more risk, but uh, I think we're going to see a lot of the same. And and they run a lot of different looks on defense now. They'll give you one look and play another on the other side and try to confuse him. So we got to get a good running game going. That's for sure. Coach, one point with that you're talking about. So you look at Power Five quarterbacks. There's 40 that have at least like 120 dropbacks, and there's only four who have one turnover-worthy play. Quinn Ewers at Texas, Drew Aller at Penn State, Bo Nix at Oregon, and Carson Beck. Those teams run defeated. Like, you take care of the football. Right. Your talent wins out. And I, I think that's there. But it's just for for me, it's, there's, it's the little things where it's like, hey, the calculated risk, the slight sort of push to, hey, let's make – let's hold on the ball just a little bit longer, make this throw down the field, kind of those things that I'm ready to, ready to start seeing from him. Don't, I mean, think, don't think you're going to see it. I just don't think, <laughs> I don't think they're going to change what they're doing. Uh, you know, they, they got a defensive-minded head coach. They play avoidance of turnovers. And, uh, you know, I've always felt like if you're going to throw the football, you're going to tolerate some interceptions. I mean, Brett Favre led the NFL in touchdowns, but also interceptions. you got to throw it in a tight window once in a while. And, and he's thrown a couple of those. But I, I just think we're such a high-percentage – team right now that we're going to stick with it until we really get behind and and we have been once and we came out and challenged after that it's not quite Jaden daniels at lsu last year where brian kelly is saying throw the effing ball it's not that because he's throwing it around <laughs> oh, yeah. but i know what you're saying brent like go for some some a little more risk in the game right, right. that's what you know unless you can Go over there and coach the quarterbacks for a week. I don't think you're going to see much change there. But. <laughs> no, I don't. And it's, it's more like just the taking plays that I want to see to make him make him or him be the reason the play works in terms of stuff is breaking down around him. Move around, make plays with the legs, make th- you know throws. We just haven't seen that just yet, just a few times uh, that we've seen it. So I just want to see more of it. That's all because I think it's there. I just – that's just me sort of wanting it as, as a fan of watching quarterback play. I think that's, opponents. That's just not his style, though. That's not his uh, makeup. He's not a, a real athletic quarterback. I mean, it's going to do do the things that you were talking about. He, he's done within the framework what his ability is. He's done okay moving around. But if it's an obvious take the the run, he can do that. But he's a guy that's going to drop back play, and and we're much better play action than we are drop back. Most teams are so. But, you know, we, we got enough of Georgia. Uh, Georgia should win this game uh, and uh, keep on running and make it 39 out of 40. Pretty dang good. Very. 
Uh, not a lot of changes needed at Georgia, but this is the perfect time to make changes to your backyard setup, your home tailgate, whatever you have going on, because I just did what I think is my second to last grass cutting of the season. I think I have one Close. more time. Yeah, yeah I we're agree. Getting there. Just one more. We're all looking around being like, when can I put it up for the year? And that's the perfect time to get your pavers put in um, to see what can make your backyard experience even better. You want a putting green in the backyard? The folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping can make that happen. But maybe you just want to get a little rock wall, separation wall. Uh, you need some earth moved. Just all the features you could want to make your home tailgate even better. Connor Grading and Landscaping. Just give them a call. And I, I like going to their website checking out the gallery of the recent work and maybe that'll inspire you with some ideas for what could work over at your house. That's connorgrading.com. Tell them you learned about them from around the league at ugasports.com. All right, coach, I was saving this one for, uh, for you because we have a quarterback change now at, at Texas A&M permanently based on news that broke today. So Connor Wegman's out for the uh, season, I guess maybe a bowl game potentially. Uh, but at this point we're looking at Max Johnson in there for Texas A&M and the Aggies get Arkansas and Sam Pittman Aggies, a six and a half point favorite on the road. Tough game. I think here for Texas A&M. Well, the game's at Arlington. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a Jerry world. So that's going to yep. be, it's a neutral site, but you know, I'm happy for Max. I hate for the kid that he got hurt. Uh, he always hate for any guy to go down, but I really like the fact that Max kept, kept his cool and stuck in there and was ready to go. And, you know, he's a perfect fit for Petrino offense. I mean, certainly he's not uh, like uh, Jackson that played at Louisville or anything like that. It's going to move up and down the field, but he, he he's very athletic for a big guy. Uh, I got to see him play in high school, and he can he can torch the ball down the field. And and how many teams can have a guy that's had that many wins in the SEC be your backup quarterback, experience wise, and come in in a big game like this one coming up, notwithstanding last week. So uh, their offensive production with the receivers they got, I think, is going to be even better because. As, as good as this one kid played, I don't think he's a guy that reads the defense anywhere close to what Max does because of Max's experience. So they'll be able to spread the ball around a little bit more. Uh, can Arkansas, you know, hang with them? I don't know. Arkansas takes way too many chances on defense. Uh, you know, they either outhouse or penthouse. They either get you for a loss or you give a big gain. So uh, I think they got to get a lot more consistent. It's amazing when you think about Sam Pittman now and his four, his four years there started in 2020. They have 11 losses since 2020 by seven points or less. Like so many where it's just like you're right there, but you can't get over the hump to sort of win the game. So, you know, playing in the new site there, but like you talk about with Max. What's amazing, I didn't realize this until looking. I, I mean, I've, I've known and followed his career as well, knowing him and, and knowing his brother. And by the way, that was cool as I'll get out. To see that you get get into a college football game, you throw your brother's first TD pass. Like that's amazing. Especially I have two boys, so that's even like it was even more amazing to watch that. But looking at Max's numbers in his career, four years now, so two two at LSU, two at A&M, he has forty two touchdowns and seven picks. Like I would, I don't think anybody would have realized that the sort of magnitude of the the numbers that he has. Now his problem has been fumbling. He has twenty nine turnover worthy plays in his career. I think he's got close to twenty fumbles in his career. So. As long as he takes care of the football with those athletes, like Coach said, with the receivers, Stewart, Muhammad, all those guys, I think Texas A&M is going to be just fine with him at QB. 
I'll tell you who's fine at QB, and that's the South Carolina Gamecocks, Brent, because there's, I, it's, you look around the country, it's hard to find someone playing as efficient and explosive as Spencer Rattler. I don't know if South Carolina as a whole can match up to this based on the roster. They are 11.5-point underdogs at Tennessee, but I think the balls are on upset watch, Brent. I agree. I mean, just because we haven't seen – and there's an element to Tennessee's offense that hasn't really looked right – now, obviously, when Milton takes a handoff or you know, pulls it and runs 80 yards to the house on the first play of the game, that helps your offense. But what's amazing for Rattler is, you know, and we talked about it over the past, you know, over last year, just the propensity for him to put the ball in harm's way. And ever since they played Tennessee a year ago, like that game, since that game, he's been a completely different QB. A, hey, maybe you're in the first round conversation type QB. And Leggett, when you're throwing to that guy, like the nitrous that he put on <laughs> and the, the go button that he did on that one catch and went like 70, like that's a great combination for them. They actually got a running game. Kid Anderson, who only had a couple carries against Georgia, 20 carries, 80-something 80, 80 yards, I think, against uh, Mississippi State. So can they hang around? I think they can because I, I think, like you said, I think Rat was playing well enough to, one, take care of the football, but also, two, make – Really good plays. Thing about Tennessee that's really surprising to me is the lack of big plays. Uh, you know, that's the one thing that you just think about when you uh, talk about Hypo over the years. I mean, they just throw the ball deep and hit all the big plays. You're just not seeing that. I, I don't know if it's because of uh, coverage or what, but uh, I think they can get some on South Carolina because South Carolina has a hard time playing the ball in the air. But the, and uh, I've been on Rattler ever since he got there, but I, I'm really amazed at what he's done here in the last four or five games. And certainly you get well against Furman and uh, Mississippi State, for sure. Their secondaries uh, get an all-star team between those two, and it'd be hard. But he did it against George first half, too, and uh, couldn't handle the, the heat that they got the second half, their, their front. But uh, it's a game where they could get out of hand, and they're playing from behind. But if they play them close early and they're really working, I mean, the Tennessee is going to be struggling to try to find a way to win because they're not a very confident team right now. Tennessee's defense, though, uh, leading the league in yards per, given up per play. So, uh, the, you know, they just don't give up many yards. So, of course, their schedules helped them there. So we're both talking a little bit in circles, but overall – if, if South Carolina can get off to a good start and not get behind like the, they have up there before, the last time they played, they were like 27 to nothing in the first quarter. So if they can hang with them. They got a shot. You have tried to keep some pests out of your house, and that's if you use our friends over at Breda Pest Management. They're the official pest management company of the Georgia Bulldogs, so they protect Sanford Stadium, and they can protect your home as well. So let's uh, get Breda Pest Management over at your home. It's a family-owned business. They've been uh, operating since 1975. Atlanta area, North Georgia, BredaPest.com. And, oh, my background went away somewhere in here. Oh, well, we have a different background now at this point. I think uh, Bobby's in here uh, getting prepped for uh, dogs and hogs, which is totally cool. Uh, Coach, Mississippi State found its passing game again, remembering that the team is built around Will Rogers and what he can do. But like you say, the defense really let Mississippi State down against South Carolina. I have to think Jalen Milrow and Alabama look at playing this Mississippi State defense and just salivate over the confidence that this can help grow for the season. 
you know, you just look at Mississippi State right now. Where's the winds going to come? I mean, uh, realistically, they got some Burma Road games. I mean, look at some of these teams they're going to play. So I'm sure Brent's got the, the schedule. But uh, all of a sudden, uh, you're not going to outscore people in the SEC with that defense that they got. I mean, um, you would have thought the one staple of this team with the new coach, Zach Arnett, being a defensive coordinator, that certainly they're going to have some uh, growing pains on offense with the new system. But their defense, uh, you just look at the way they tried to cover uh, some of these last couple teams and guys going downfield with blinker lights on. I mean, just wide-ass open. I mean, I've never seen a team that's usually that well coached under Arnett that just looked like they don't know where to line up sometime. And uh, guys running AWOL, aren't they, Brent? Unbelievable. Very much so. And it doesn't help that your next opponent then is Alabama, which – actually kind of semi found its identity a little bit. I would love to know sort of the behind the scenes conversations that said, Hey, we're not going to play Jalen Miller at all against South Florida. And then we're going to play him in maybe the biggest game outside of Texas that we play in LSU. But here's the key. They found that's who they are is we're going to run and we're going to hit a few deep balls. Cause the kid can throw the deep ball. Like, Milrow can straight up throw the deep ball and then we're going to go play defense. And like, that's, it was, I'm still disappointed in Ole Miss because to me watching that game, that was a very beatable Alabama team in that game. And it's one where you could see them getting in a situation. If Milrow turns the ball over on multiple occasions, being in trouble just because that style for them now, I don't know, but I do think that is their identity. That was who they should have been all along is, Running, running game, running QB, hit some deep balls, go play defense. They got to hope that Jalen Hurts has an open date, comes down there and show him some of that eagle offense and say, look, let's run some of this stuff with this kid instead of trying to run the Bryce Young offense. I, I don't – I mean, they ran a quarterback sweep early in the game, kind of like Ole Miss did. I never saw it again. They're inside the 10. They never put him on the edge. They, you know, very seldom run the quarterback draw which Dart scored against them when they're playing man under. Um, so I think they're just, this guy is just being stubborn, saying I'm going to try to run the Alabama offense. And uh, this guy is not a drop-back quarterback except when he throws a play action and arches it out there. But I guarantee he gives them the best chance to win, and he's going to be a threat as long as their defense can play like they did last week. Alabama is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I'd take the tide on that. Final game of the week in the SEC, Brent, Missouri, 13-and-a-half-point favorites uh, on the road in Nashville against Vanderbilt. We talked about Vanderbilt last week. I was like, hey, is this the game where they actually don't turn the ball over? And then Kentucky, like, returns multiple score, you know, gets multiple returns for touchdowns and picks and turnovers and things like. Is this the game that Vanderbilt doesn't turn the ball over and kind of hangs around? I don't know. Swan's putting it at – as many great throws as he's making, he's also putting it at risk a lot. But Mizzou is one for me that what's interesting about them is twofold in terms of the identity part. One, they know they have a superstar and they are using him to the nth degree. Like Luther Burden is a star. He's the highest graded receiver now in the FBS. He also, like what's amazing about it last week, 177 receiving yards. He only went in pattern, the pattern, 17 times, 17 snaps and yet he had 177 receiving yards, 12 targets in those 17 snaps that he actually ran out for a route. But the other part with Missouri is 
their overall run block grade is by far the best in the SEC. Like they're like 84.5, I think, is a team. The next best is uh, – I can't remember who the next best was, but number two was 72. Georgia's even down there in the mid-60s. Like they have – their tackles are really good. Run the ball, that identity. They're going to be sneaky, and then they're – I'm very curious. You know, they get through this and then host LSU next week. Big, big game for them. So is the rushing yardage just because they've had lost yardage because they don't have a – a real disparity between their passing and their rushing. Uh, and the one guy's doing a good job leading the team in rushing, but is it is it because they lose yardage in passing? Is that why they're – I think yardage, there? yes, but also, too, it's part of its scheme. And a lot of times I think the outside zone scheme lends itself to uh, where it's a, a grading – like, hey, this guy did his job, this lineman did his job, but maybe the back didn't hit the hole where yeah, it was. They, they're pa- they're a passing team. I mean that that's the they throw the ball, and uh, you know and and they got a good field goal kicker and their defense makes you work. I mean they, they got a good scheme. The guy got his background under Muschamp and you know they're running the Alabama Kirby Smart Nick Saban defense, uh, so they know what they're doing and they give you problems. Uh, I don't know if uh, the, the Vanderbilt quarterback's gonna be able to play. They say he's been hurt. But uh, Vanderbilt turning the ball over right and left, and then they're just not good enough to sustain themselves with that. They've got two wins so far. I was thinking early they might get three or four more, but I don't see it now. You know what's amazing though with Missouri? I say all these great. I say all these nice things about them. They beat Middle Tennessee, K State, and then uh, last weekend by a combined like what fourteen points. Yeah. Last three home wins by combined fourteen points. It's Memphis on and Memphis, yeah. But K State's a good win. But here's the thing: Missouri got a legitimate shot being five and zero. I mean, in uh, big time game versus LSU, makes AD look good signing to a new contract. Well, I'm with you, Brent. That like, yeah, K State win Memphis. That's a game that historically uh, that could be a loss for Missouri. But they're four and zero, and coming into the season, you would say. Yes, coach. I know he got the extension, but drink, which was you had to show me something here. Uh, otherwise, they're going to have to maybe consider moving on from him. And early indications say smart move because even in recruiting right now, Missouri's gotten to the NIL game pretty strong too. Yep. Well, two teams that have, have prospered making an offensive coordinator, uh, the guy calling the plays, Texas A&M. This looks a lot more functional uh, with Petrino as far as getting the plays in and out running the ball at the line of scrimmage. They, they look a lot more efficient. And the same thing with Mizzou with uh, bringing in this Moore guy uh, from uh, San, uh, from Fresno State. So I think uh, – I didn't realize that he was Kirby Moore's brother, the brother of uh, the guy that, uh, you know, played at uh, Boise State, now the coordinator for the Chargers. Oh, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's brother. Yeah. yeah Kellen Moore. Did well, you know that was his brother? I did not know that, actually. I didn't know no. that. Coach, the last thing I want to ask about is outside of the SEC, but you're a coach, and I know you know a lot of coaches. Notre Dame, the way it ended against Ohio State, how does that happen? What exactly happened, and how do you stop it from happening again? Well, I mean, there's certain things that have happened to all of us in our career that uh, we're playing a semifinals of national championship game against Boise State, and one of our safeties didn't go out and cover a slot receiver. And wasn't anybody on him, and uh, the guy hit a big play. There's no reason for that, but you, you know you coach him up. But 
after a timeout, and they called the timeout. It, Ohio State didn't have any. And uh, we were watching it here on the Watch Along show uh, on the side because we had a timeout. But uh, you got your team over there, and you're going over everybody's assignment and all. But just to have 10 guys out there, just beyond me, I don't know how it happened. But uh, the guy, you know, everybody loves him there. I mean, he's doing a good job recruiting. One thing is pretty obvious. They got some players now. You don't play Ohio State for 59 minutes and 57 seconds that way and stone them like that without some players. So, But they're going into uh, Wallace Wade Stadium this week playing the Blue Devils from Methodist Flats there in Durham, <laughs> North Carolina. And they, uh, it's not going to be game day for basketball. It's going to be for football. And, uh, it's you know, Duke's got it humming now. I mean, this guy's going to have – there's going to be a lot of people after this Echo guy. I mean, he, he, okay, he's doing a heck of a job there, and he's got a great quarterback. The guy's just an outstanding player, a good athlete too. I, I You know what's amazing about the, the 10 players on the field thing? To me, it wasn't even the most egregious – decision and part of the end of the game they had just called a time or just gotten a penalty because the qb threw the ball away because of pressure and they get a uh intentional grounding penalty and then it's third and 19 and you rush three and you gave a young qb time to just sit there and be nice and comfortable and push the ball down the field literally i mean they should have he was an inch for, you know six inches from the touchdown on that play like how do you not speed up his clock you got to go, 19. go after him a little bit. I mean, I can see that was egregious. Bring some people in there, but uh, then on offense at the end of the game, I mean, they throw a screen pass and which should be safe, but throw it in the dirt so it stops the clock. Uh, otherwise, you're gonna run it, run some more time off. But uh, how much time do you guys, as a coach, Coach Don? Do you, how how much time do you guys spend in an off season? going through game scenarios like game and clock management scenarios an inordinate amount of time i mean we talk about it all the time here you know what won for you you know what got you beat and you work on situations and, and critique yourself and you also look at other teams how they handle it uh, i know one thing that's big around the country now is the analytics that they that all these pro and college teams subscribe to to see what other teams do in certain situations. Like last week, I saw where Nick Saban said he went for two or, you know, there because they decided at their meeting in the morning on Saturday that when they would go for two, I thought you go for one there and, uh, you know, make them, <laughs> you know, put, put, put yourself up two scores or up eight. So you should get one, you, you're up two scores, but he went for two and uh, he, that was his reason. But, so you get a chance to compare that around the country. Why do people do this? And uh, we saw uh, uh, the same thing with the uh, Green Bay Packers going for two because they, they felt like they had a better chance of winning the game in regulation if they made the two than uh, winning the game in overtime. The time, the clock management skill, like, and the reason I even asked that question is because what happened like 90 minutes up the road from us in, in – uh, Clemson, South Carolina, because it was a struggle uh, for them as well. Yeah, that was those were two really good cases in the ACC. Of, I guess you called Notre Dame ACC. They play enough, but uh, very poor management and uh, counting on a kicker coming off injured reserve or coming off of whatever he was. I mean, almost was, going to a job in New York. That's what he was doing. Well, we're uh, 
we're excited to have a month of the season behind us. And I, I don't know what's going to happen in college football this year. It's the least predictable it's been in quite a while to me. So Very I'm excited to, to do this journey with you guys for the rest of this season around the league from UGASports.com. With Jim Donna and Brent Rollins, I'm Dane Young. Support Breda Pest Management and Connor Grading at Landscaping. We'll see you here next week for week six.